Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, August 30th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, wouldn't you know it. I started last week's podcast off by saying it had been a pretty quiet week in the news, and I'd barely even finished uploading the thing when all hell broke loose. Jerome Powell tried to talk up the economy at Jackson Hole. Then the Chinese announced retaliatory tariffs. That led to a Donald Trump Twitter rant that included the president ordering American companies to start looking for an alternative to China. Trump also went after Jerome Powell again. He wants those rate cuts in a big way. So anyway, predictably, the stock market tanked on Friday and gold and silver ended up having a really good day after it was looking like the metals would end the week down with some profit taking. So, you know, so much for a slow news day on a Friday. We'll see what happens today. So always keep in mind that whatever I say on Friday morning could change by Friday afternoon. At any rate, this week, gold has uh, continued to push upward, hitting levels not seen in over six years. But it's really silver that's been in the spotlight. Silver's been going up like it's on rocket fuel. Just consider last Tuesday, for instance. Gold had solid gains on the day. It closed up 16 bucks at 1542.50. It was the highest close in over six years. But it was an even bigger day for silver. The white metal was up 53 cents and closed at 18.17 an ounce. That was a 3% gain in just a single day. Now, gold has pushed above the key 15.50 level several times this week, but it hasn't been able to hold as profit-taking has pushed it back down every time it's gotten up there. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at just over 15.27 per ounce. Meanwhile, silver has continued to move up. It's uh, currently trading at 18.47. On the month... Gold is up nearly 6% and is up about 17% on the year. Meanwhile, silver is up just over 14% month to date, with a yearly gain of more than 19%. Now, there are a couple of things going on in the silver market. In the first place, this is a sign that the gold rally is really starting to take hold. As I've talked about before, historically, silver has outperformed gold during a gold bull run. Peter's been saying this for a few weeks now as well, and I'm starting to see the same point being made out there in the mainstream. A senior strategist at Longleaf Trading Group told MarketWatch, quote, people are finally starting to believe that we're in a bull market in precious metals. Silver is always known as a laggard to gold, and now you are seeing people getting into silver and believing it's a bull market, end quote. We've been talking about how cheap silver is compared to gold now for well over a year. Earlier this summer, the silver-gold ratio pushed to above 90 to 1. That means it took 90 ounces of silver to buy 1 ounce of gold. This morning, that ratio has closed to just below 83 to 1. So silver has closed the gap a bit, but it's still a bargain. Consider that in the modern era, that ratio has been around 40 to 50 to 1. Back in January 2014, the ratio was at nearly 67 to 1. So at the current price of gold today, that would put silver at well over $20 per ounce. So the bottom line is silver still has a long way to run up. So what I'm saying is in effect, silver is still on sale. In fact, if you are in gold right now and not at all in silver, you might want to consider selling some gold and buying silver. In a podcast this week, Peter said that trade makes sense with silver being such a bargain right now. This is a good thing to talk over with a shift gold precious metal specialist. 
At any rate, the supply and demand fundamentals are also working in silver's favor. Demand for silver was up last year, and supply fell for the third straight year. And it appears silver mine production is continuing to fall in 2019. Mine output fell significantly in three of the world's top silver-producing countries through the first half of the year. Peru's silver production fell 10%, mine output in Mexico fell 4%, and silver production in Chile was down 7%, this according to data released by government agencies in those three countries. According to the data that was compiled by SR Sraco, in total, mine output in Peru, Mexico, and Chile was off by 373 tons. Now, Russia is another top silver-producing country. We don't have total numbers, but Russia's top primary silver mining company also reported a decline in production through the first six months of 2019, with mine output falling 15% compared to the same period last year. So, bottom line is there is no indication at all that supply in silver is suddenly going to surge. Here's a little food for thought for you. Silver hit an all-time high of $49 per ounce twice in January 1980 and then again in April 2011. If you adjust that $49 high for inflation, you're looking at a price at around $150 per ounce. So like I said, silver has a long way to run up. As one analyst put it, quote, with the long-term downside potential of silver very low versus its current valuation, the risk-reward is one of the best investments on the planet. End quote. There were more trade war developments yesterday. It looks like China might have blinked. The Chinese Commerce Ministry spokesman said China would not respond to the latest U.S. tariff announcement. He said, quote, escalation of the trade war won't benefit China, nor the U.S., nor the world. I hate talking about the trade war. I think we talk way too much about the trade war because tomorrow it will probably be bad news again and everybody will go back to doom and gloom. Look, every time you get one of these announcements from either side, the markets swing wildly. So I'd expect stocks to do well today on this trade war news, and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some profit taking in precious metals. But to me, this back and forth in the trade war is almost meaningless. Stop for a minute and think about how long this has been going on. Think about how many times stocks have surged or plunged based on some tweet by the president relating to the trade war. Look, the trade war isn't the key to what's going on with the economy. As I've been harping on for months, it's all about central bank policy. The stage is set for the crash, and it's going to crash sooner or later, trade war or no trade war. Peter was on RT Boom Bust this week, and he made a really good point. He said, even if the trade war is resolved, it's not going to fix the fundamental problems underlying the U.S. economy. Peter said, if you take away all of the trade noise, the U.S. economy is already weakening and it's heading into a recession. And it would be going into a recession even if there was no trade war. So Peter said he thinks that the Fed is going to go back to zero. They're going to go back to quantitative easing. And all of this is going to be negative for the U.S. dollar in the U.S. economy. Speaking of a weakening economy, we got the revised GDP data for Q2 yesterday. It was tweaked down to 2.0% from 2.1%. Now, this is pretty much in line with what markets were expecting, but it's far from inspiring, right? We also got some more shaky numbers in the real estate market. The pending home sales index fell 2.5% in July. That was weaker than what economists were expecting. 
Also, consumer sentiment seems to be slipping. Peter Schiff's son, Spencer, wrote a good article about what's going to happen if American consumers suddenly close up their wallets. I'm going to link to that in the show notes page. The bottom line is American consumers are propping up the economy with money they don't have. They're going deeper into debt to buy stuff. This isn't exactly a sustainable model for economic growth, right? The mainstream is actually starting to talk about this, too. During a CNBC interview, economist Jim O'Neill said the U.S. economy is becoming riskily dependent on the over-leveraged consumer. He said, quote, The economy's strength depends so much on consumption, which is fine unless financial conditions tighten unexpectedly, when a lot of indebted U.S. consumers won't be able to afford to keep up the consumption that they're doing. O'Neill said, in a lot of ways, it's starting to look a lot like 2008. And here's a troubling sign for you along those lines. The rich have already started to cut back on their spending. Luxury real estate is having its worst year since the financial crisis. Sales at art auctions are down for the first time in years. Retailers that cater to the wealthy are also struggling. Barney's has filed for bankruptcy, and Nordstrom has posted three quarterly revenue declines. According to CNBC, recent data suggests that the U.S. wealthy are beginning to shut their wallets. Meanwhile, savings of the rich have also exploded, more than doubling over the past two years, suggesting that the wealthy are hoarding cash. You know, rich people didn't get rich by being dumb with their money. If they have cut back on spending and they've started to save, it's probably because they see something on the horizon. This country's economy is built on consumption. The rich already aren't consuming. The average Joe is consuming, but charging it to the credit card. This just can't go on like this. Like I said, completely unsustainable. So we talk about trade deal stuff. Like I said, tired of talking about trade deal stuff. You know, this is a great political distraction, but we need to keep focused on what's actually going on with the economy, the monetary policy, the government spending. That's what's really driving things right now. As Peter said, trade deals aren't going to fix things. We have to get to the root cause of these problems, which is excess government spending, excess regulation, and artificially low interest rates. Got nothing to do with the trade deal. Here's the problem. The political class isn't interested in dealing with these root causes. They'd rather play on Twitter and point fingers at each other and keep you distracted. Now, it looks like the rich are getting ready for trouble. Maybe you should too. Call a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today and talk to him about how you can prepare your portfolio for the recession that seems almost certainly to be looming around the corner. Call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for all that stuff over on the show notes page. I always appreciate the fact that you take time to listen, and I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. I'll talk to you next time.